This is a Triple J podcast. We're here. It's the dawn of a new weekend and a new era. Did anyone see the news this week that scientists think we've entered the Anthropocene? This new era, this new age, because the biology of the planet has changed abruptly because of humans. It's so interesting. There's a lot that's been written up about this. You should go check it out. But hey, this is The Shake Up. I'm Dave Marchese. We're going to try to keep things a bit lighter for this episode of the podcast, as always, at the end of the week. Here's a little taster of what's ahead. Hack. Jeff Kennett threw the grenade and there was an explosion of opinions. I love working from home. I just sort of said to myself, like, why am I enslaved to this drink? Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. On Triple Jack. Yeah, I'm so keen to hear what you think of this idea that people working from home should get their pay cut. Do you back it? I'm sure you don't if this is you, if you're working from home. But if you can't work from home, nurses, tradies, what do you reckon? Message in 0439757555. We're also into dry July, so we're talking booze bans. The Barbie craziness that's taken over the world. There's heaps to get into. But first, let's meet... The wonderful Shake Up crew. First off the first off the list, she's beloved all over the world. Live from Venice, Italy, it's this lady. Attenzione, big bucket! <laughs> Imagine if we had the Italian lady from TikTok, the pickpocket lady. I wish we did. I've been going on about that for a while, but no, we've got someone better. We've got M Gillespie, deputy editor at the Daily Oz. Hi, Em. Hello. Attenzione. <laughs> Attenzione. Now, listen, does someone have a little birthday coming up tomorrow? My goodness, it's me tomorrow. Yeah. I'm turning 20 something. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had some of your friends hitting me up on Instagram. They're like, you need to shout Is out. Is true? Yeah, Maggie. Oh I didn't know I had any friends. <laughs> oh, Maggie, my sweet girl. Uh, she just got married. Congrats. Oh, we're going to talk about that a bit later. Not the marriage, but friends in general and <laughs> making you friends later in life. And it's been a while. You've been everywhere lately, fresh back from Europe. You were also abducted this week as part of a radio prank, which is too difficult to explain. Brooklyn Ross, you must be exhausted. Yeah, it was hard being abducted, (laughs) but my captors were quite handsome, I must say. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it wasn't too bad. Okay, sounding like an interesting turn already. Do you have a big weekend or a wholesome weekend coming up? Um, Well, it all starts here with you, David, so whatever you want to do after the show. Oh, right, so I'm setting the mood for the entire weekend. Yes. It's a bit of pressure. As per usual, Dave. Oh, true, I true, can rely true, on true. you, Dave. Well, let's see what happens. Hack. You've got these entitled workers to say, no, no, oh, you've got to let me work from home. On Triple Jack. Yeah, we hear a lot about the benefits of working from home. Flexibility, no horrible commutes, the comfort of your own surroundings. Some people love it. They don't want to go back to the office. But what if your decision to work from home meant a cut to your pay? Because former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett fired up debate this week when he argued, if you want to work from home, you'll need to cough up. Hack. Former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett says people who work from home should be paid less than their colleagues who actually go to the office. He says it's not fair some public servants pay to travel to work. Medical staff, first responders have to go to work. They have no alternative and it costs them. We actually want our workers to come back into the office to be social human beings. I think Mr Kennett's comments yesterday were pretty outdated and quite frankly relatively ridiculous. This is the worst on Triple Jack. 
quite frankly, relatively ridiculous. I love that line. I want to know where you sit on this one. Would you take a pay cut to work from home? If you can't work from home, nurses, teachers, what do you think of this? Are you annoyed by the homeworking setup a lot of other people are now used to? Do you think some people are taking the piss? We want to know honestly. Also, there's a separate story out that we're going to get to a bit later. Recruiters saying that Gen Z are too soft to be tradies. They need too much gratification, don't want to put in the hard yards. They're coming for young workers. They are coming for them. Want to hear your thoughts on any of these? Get on the phone. Tell me what you think. 1-300-055-536. You can message in as well. 0439-757-555. Time to get into it with the Shake Up crew. We've got Kiss FM newsreader Brooklyn Ross. Sam Gillespie from The Daily Oz. Brooklyn, what did you make of this one? Working from home, getting pay cut. Oh, Jeff Kennett, you old sod. Like, is he <laughs> for Straight real? out of the gates. Yeah. Okay, go, like not going to work means that, you know, the, the company doesn't have to pay for as much office space. I'm not using the company's electricity. Like, I should be getting more pay from working from home. I'm paying for stuff at home to contribute to your business. It's just the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. And not only that, David, Here but we it's go. <laughs> <laughs> But have you ever Hold on, have hold on, ever... hold on. Okay. Attenzione, pickpocket. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried to get a pay rise with your boss and say Oh, a new toll road has just opened, so I think my pay needs to go up by $5 a day. <laughs> they would laugh in your face. And so now here's Jeff Kennett saying, oh, well, you're not paying tolls anymore, so we're going to dock your pay. It's like, interesting, isn't it? a break. Okay, we've got some people on the text line agreeing with you. Brooklyn, someone says, typical conservative trying to erode the working person's rights to fair pay. That was from Brad in Townsville. Someone else says, I'm a construction plumber. You get paid for the work you do, home or hours away, no salary cut. Someone else, I'm a psychologist and when I work from home, it's way more work that, for me than when I'm in the clinic. I think equal pay for work regardless of the environment. I'm interested in your thoughts on this one because this really ignited the Daily Oz audience this week. Yeah, so we posted this quote from Jeff Kennett <laughs> on a tile. It was the most comments we've ever gotten on like a quote tile post. People came out very passionately against it. I mean, we've just heard it from Brooklyn Russ, <laughs> yeah, the man who doesn't work down. from home himself. Yeah. But I think that the work from home dilemma is a very grass is always greener kind of a thing. So you've got the attitudes from frontline workers or people in roles that cannot work from home who might sort of resent or romanticise that idea of working from home and then people who are in the trenches of the realities of working from home and it's like day 172 without a shower or a bra, my hair's in a messy barn, I haven't spoken to anyone from the outside world in weeks. Like it's give and take. I think what is interesting is the amount of people who have come out and sort of said, well, what you've highlighted here, Mr. Kennett, is maybe a need to compensate people for the arduousness of the commute Mm. and all that comes with going into a workplace. So maybe it's about paying them more. Yeah, he kind of raised a few other interesting points that people were focusing on, as you just mentioned, M. We've got plenty of people on the text line and on the phone line. Someone says, I'm a tradie and my mum works from home. She runs a team and smashes it every day. She deserves every cent of her pay and more. Somebody else says, I literally save $60 a week by working from home. Don't cut my pay because of jealousy. I work longer hours than if I worked in the office. Let's go to someone on the phone line. Ray is on the line. Ray, what's what are your thoughts on this? 
Right. I, I actually work in the APS and I've been working home since May 2020. Um, you know, all the KPIs, all those things I'm meeting, sick leave, I can stay at home, look after children. It, it just makes sense, I think, from a business point of view. So were you pretty annoyed when you saw these comments this week? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's like the first person said about the tolls, like all those extra things, all the extra costs, rego. We don't get a pay rise. We actually haven't had a pay rise for a long time. Yeah. Also interesting uh, coming out during this particular period when so many people are struggling. Any thought of cutting pay is just a nightmare situation. Hey, Ray, thank you so much for calling in with your experience. A lot of messages pouring through on the text line. Someone says, absolutely no pay cut. What about electricity, gas, water, food? Exactly what Brooklyn was pointing out. Someone else, though, totally agree with Jeff. As a tradie, I wish I could have worked from home but that doesn't work. We went through hell not being able to work one week, then the next we could during COVID. Cash flow was non-existent. So asking work from home employees to go back to the office is not that bad considering that their pay did not change through COVID. This one I don't get. If you are a tradie and, you know, I don't know, you're you're jealous of people that can work from home. Like I can't work from home, so I kind of get it in a way. But the less people on the road, the easier it is for the rest of us to get to work. Like it just... I just don't understand any argument against if you can work from home and you want to work from home, work from home. Do you think, though, there are some people who are obviously working really well at home, but there are some people who are taking the piss a bit? There's people taking the piss in every situation. But I guess guess the argument here is that those who are going to work or are in the office are saying, and because we've seen these comments and I'm seeing them on the text line now, are having to pick up the slack of those who are maybe... Um, you know, doing less of their work at home. I'm not saying that's happening widespread. Well, they should just be managed correctly, Mm. like, and and their manager keeping on top of if they are working or not. Like, I do know the old... Um, fake mouse mover that might come out on your laptop. <laughs> if we can crack down on that, we'll be okay. Did you kind of experiment with that a lot? I don't know. Look at how much it has divided people. When you think that this guy, Jeff Kennett, he was the founder of Beyond Blue and he held a chairman role at that organisation for a really long time. The division that this comment has created during a time when, as you mentioned, Dave, it's a cost of living crisis, post-pandemic, people are just trying to get by one day at a time and like tone deaf. We saw also this week, because there are lots of stories about uh, the workplace, young people especially, flying around this week. There was one uh, that quoted the co-founder of Slack, um, you know, the communication um, app Slack, obviously, and said that young workers are going to find it harder in the future to be successful if they don't have face-to-face time with workers. Do you have any thoughts on that, Brooklyn? Yeah, just go to the pub a bit more, right? <laughs> just practice your social skills there. Right. Okay. So you don't think, what about you, Em, that not going to work or seeing people face to face in the workplace could hinder uh, some of the kind of interpersonal connections we make, could maybe see you a bit more hidden at home and not in the boss's mind when they're thinking about promoting yeah, people? Yeah, I think depending on your work industry, I certainly miss the collaboration and the socialisation of being in an office if I work from home. But again, with something like Slack, you can be in an office every single day, but relying on instant messaging and and not talking to anyone. I've transitioned in between offices where you might have a huge reliance on Slack versus other offices where there's a real emphasis on face-to-face conversation and only IM, you know, if it's something that you really need to jot down and get out. But 
ultimately the preference is to to connect. I think you can be in the same place as someone and never speak to them. Mm. On the text line, someone says, if you've ever worked in an office, you know, people are bludging all the time. <laughs> Somebody else says, my mobility is hugely limited by chronic pain. I have constant constantly being told when approached by recruiters, sorry, management want people who can come into the office three times a week, even when the job could be done from home. That's interesting. And somebody else says, less people going into the office, less cars on the road, less emissions, less climate change impacts. Seems like people working from home are doing the planet good. Increase their pay, Mel says. Interesting. There's so many different opinions on this one. What did you make of the story about tradies and Gen Z not stacking up when it comes to those kinds of professions? Because we saw a recruiter come out this week and he said, yeah, Gen Z, they're not making good tradies. We're having some employers come forward saying we don't want applicants that are under 25 uh, because they need too much praise. They don't want to put in the hard yards. Brooklyn, bit rough? Yeah, it is a bit rough. Like... I just don't understand the older generation constantly looking down at Gen Z or even millennials and it's just, oh, they don't want to work, they don't want to work hard. Like, in that case, make your employment conditions a bit more attractive. Isn't it just as simple as that? I, I don't understand if, if they don't want to do your, your boring you know, labour-intensive task and job, then there's probably a reason why. It probably stinks. Yeah, the punching down, the low-hanging fruit of, of older generations going particularly hard on Gen Z, I just feel in the last few months, every other week, there's some kind of condemning statement about the the motivations and the work ethic of Gen Z. Does it kind of annoy you when an entire generation gets labelled like this? Absolutely. I mean, haven't young people since the beginning of time been disruptive or lazy or challenged the status quo? Mm. Isn't it just the way that that generations move through? Aren't young people always the ones that are going to be the first to put their hands up and say, hey, actually, this isn't fair. I don't want to do this. And I admire Gen Z for saying it. Like, and, and, and the older generations, this is what we've strived for. Yes, you don't have to do jobs you don't want to do. Like, say no. This is what we've all built up. And finally, they're doing it and the rest of us are shocked by it. Well, that, I mean, is an argument that's being put forward, that it's not uh, worse work ethic. It's that this generation might have a different expectation, a higher standard of living that they want, that they don't want to put up with a lot of the uh, poor conditions that maybe previous generations did. We've got more messages coming through on all of this. Someone says, pay cuts, it's hard enough to live today with all the inflation. Must be nice sitting up there, Jeff. (laughs) And then something which I can't actually say on radio, so I'm not going to say that word. Thanks for pointing it out, David. (laughs) Somebody else says, it might be a Gen Z in the cities, not regional kids though, that are soft and can't make it as a tradie. Hadrian says that. Um, There's an environmental benefit to working from home. A lot of people saying that. Another person, been working from home for three years. It's great, but I'm starting to go back once a week, mainly for social interaction. That's interesting. Emma, did you ever do any of the working from home stuff? Yeah, I did a little bit of a a combination of sort of, I always had time in an office environment, but working in media, I was sort of lucky enough during lockdowns to have uh, a workplace to go to or broadcast from. So I've lived both sides and I think the option of work from home is really nice to have if, you know, in the event that, you know, appointments, things come up, life happens. But for me, you know, I'm an extroverted person. I I like that connection. I completely understand that for different people, there are disadvantages and advantages. 
We've got someone on the phone line now. We've got Bailey here. And Bailey, you're a workshop manager. What do you think of this whole debate about Gen Z at the moment? I agree, but I don't agree. Sometimes they need a bit of a kick in the ass to get them into gear on that. But the fact that they're saying they're going to be piss poor tradies is a bit bit harsh. Yes, they made a bit more praise, but, you know, we all like to be told we're doing a good job every now and then too. So, so Bailey, you're 26, right? So you're in your, yes. like, mid-20s. Do you notice, yep. like, a real kind of difference between younger and older workers? Like, is it really distinct to you? Yeah, the old, older ones, they're... Uh, they're a bit more harsher, but I deal with um, work experience kids as well. And okay. you can definitely tell the difference between work experience kids and an 18, 19-year-old, their cheekiness on it as well. But as I said, sometimes you need a bit of a flick behind the ear to tell them, you know, get, get into gear. And they, they will do it, but as I said, they all, they all have a crack. Interesting. Where we, where we work anyway, so. All right. Well, thank you, Bailey, for calling in with your experience. Uh, someone else says, hey, guys, I'm a 24-year-old apprentice carpenter and the amount of times that I get called soft or lazy on site is beyond me. I'm constantly the one doing overtime and working through lunch breaks and sacrificing time with loved ones to make sure the job is done for my boss. That's kind of it as well in the sense that, I mean, a lot of the time young workers, when they do do overtime, they don't really get recognised for it in the same way that older workers probably do. Uh, So there's a lot of work that goes on that maybe bosses don't even know about. I don't know. Look, there's so much to talk about on that one, but time to move on. I said to myself, if I can do six months without alcohol, then I can prove to myself that I don't have a problem. On Triple Jack. Yeah, we're smack bang in the middle of July, pretty much, which means for some of you listening, you might be halfway through a booze ban, dry July. People give it a go to make themselves feel better. Road test the sober life. We got talking a lot about it this week after Spider-Man actor Tom Holland announced on a podcast that he was struggling with alcohol. He gave it up because he felt like a slave to it and quitting is the best thing he's ever done. Hack. I had my last drink of alcohol over 400 days ago. The five things that'll happen when you stop drinking alcohol. This is why I stopped drinking alcohol at age 24. All I could think about was having a drink. I was waking up thinking about it. I was checking the clock. When's it 12? And it just really scared me. I just was like, wow, maybe I have a little bit of an alcohol thing. By the time I had got to June 1st, I was the happiest I've ever been in my life. It is the best thing that I have ever done. On Triple J. Yeah, we were talking about making new friends as an adult on Hack this week and so many people messaged in and said they really battle doing that without alcohol. Like, it's easy to get a drinking buddy, but that doesn't always lead to a, an actual friendship, something more substantial. Is this you? And are you in the middle of a bit of a booze hiatus? How's it going? Is it harder or easier than you expected? Get on the phone, one 300 You can message in as well, 0439757555. We've got the Shake Up team with us, Kiss FM newsreader Brooklyn Ross, Am Gillespie from The Daily Oz. Brooklyn, pretty full-on comments from Tom Holland this week, like a slave to alcohol, just really kind of mm. coming to terms with what that meant for him in his life. Do you reckon a lot of younger people are going to take a lot from that? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's a big star, isn't he? And, you know, if Tom Holland's doing it, then we pay attention. But I've heard, you hear it from so many people that giving up alcohol is the best thing they've ever done. And, like, that's such a statement. Mm. You know, I love a drink and I've never fully tried to go without for any 
major length of time. And it just makes you wonder, like, maybe we're missing out on a great life by drinking alcohol every weekend. What about you, Em? Have you ever given it a go? I um, did Feb Fast once okay. until about the 23rd of Feb. <laughs> Ended up having a friend's birthday and just gave up. Yeah. But it was it was okay. I think that it's great when young guys, especially men, come out and say stuff like this, like what Tom Holland has discussed, because I think it just opens up a conversation for other people who are feeling similar to feel seen so that the option is there that we can be in a society where you can go out of a night with mates and some people drink, some people don't drink. I think the more that that's normalised, the better. I know that people who are sober often speak to feeling anxious in those social settings when people ask them or interrogate, you know, why aren't you drinking? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Are you an alcoholic? Are you pregnant? Which is why I think there's also been this huge boom in the industry of non-alcoholic drinks, not soft drinks, but proper, yeah. you know, distilled, so bougie so looking. So you're not noticeable yeah. not drinking. Isn't yeah. it weird? But that yeah. is weird in itself, right? It's like, why do you have to try and mask the fact that you're yeah. not drinking perhaps? I do have a problem with spending like $25 on a mocktail. I though. was going to say they don't make it easy, do they? Because right. sometimes like depending where you are, you might get an alcohol a non-alcoholic drink and it's more expensive than the alcoholic version. Like, there's even bottles of like fake gin and I don't know if there's fake vodka. Yeah, if there's that's fake, just it's water, a I don't know mega what that industry. Could be. Well, look, I did read, this is kind of something that not a lot of people think about, but in terms of when you buy non-alcoholic wine and stuff, the reason that that's often quite expensive is because the process of extracting the alcohol out is actually quite expensive, apparently. That's what I heard from some research. Makes so sense. they say. So they no, say. makes sense. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I um, actually tried this just recently. How and, long? Um, <laughs> I feel really embarrassed now. Um, like three weeks. Yeah, and I was... just said I did three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Tom Holland's, like, when you listen to the whole thing he said, he said it, it took him literally six months to fully appreciate the benefits of it. So giving up for a month or two... In, in his experience, wasn't enough. Like, yeah, I mean, he also said, like, he couldn't be social, he felt, at first. Like, he felt like he couldn't go to the pub and have a lime and soda, like he couldn't go out for dinner. And I did feel like that as well. Like, I, the first week that I took off, like, I remember the weekend and I kind of stayed home, didn't go out because I didn't want to be tempted. Then I was really worried about the pressure of meeting up with my mates and them wanting me to drink. But then when I did, no one pressured and it wasn't a thing and it, it, it and it, I did feel really good. I did sleep a lot better. Um, so I definitely felt the benefits immediately, but then somehow, I don't know what's happened. This is, this is, this is what goes on. Did with. you find yourself thinking about it a lot more just because you knew you couldn't have it? Yeah, I, I initially, but then afterwards, not really. And I thought that I was kind of waking up with more clarity, with more energy, um, you know, and you love to talk about it as well with colleagues. My colleagues are probably over it. I'm like, have I told you I'm two weeks in? So like, you love to kind of bring it up all the time. Got a lot of messages coming through on this one. Someone says, I've been off uh, I've been off the gas since New Year's. I feel good, but not some amazing transformation. I have wasted less Sundays though. That's from Dan. Another person says, my wallet loves me not drinking. If only I could give up the smokes. Yeah, that's another really costly and uh, pretty... God, I couldn't imagine smoking... And not drinking. Like, they kind of go hand in hand, yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, hopefully you're able to give out the smokes too. Someone else. I wish my mum could give it up. A drink or two is destructive in the wrong hands. And somebody else says, I have travel coming up, but after that, thinking about completely quitting, have had bad times with heaps of alcohol. I just don't feel I need it. That's from Nate. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Also, you know, the way that we use it as a social lubricant, and I said earlier, we talked on Hack earlier about you know, making friendships as an adult, it can be really tough. And if you take a drinking and that kind of environment out of the situation, it can be even harder. That's what we heard from so many listeners. Can you relate to this, M? the struggle of making friends as an adult? Yeah, I think it's hard. If you take sort of work out of the equation, adult friendships that I've made pretty much have exclusively been work friendships. My friendships with the two of you, work-related or industry adjacent, it's tough because you lose that kind of confidence of being a kid and just walking up to someone in the sandpit and saying, I like your stick or like your truck thing. Let's be friends. That's all (laughs) you had to say. Hey, let's go to a caller. Emily's on the line, has given up alcohol. Emily, how long have you been off the booze? So I haven't had a drink for approximately 454 days. Oh, wow. How, so how are we feeling? Pretty good by sounds of it. Pretty good. I like to think that I've saved some money from not having to get 3am McDonald's yeah, anymore, yeah. Um, but not reflected in my bank account, but yeah. that's okay. Okay, that's interesting. You're like, <laughs> it should be, the figures should be a little different than what I'm seeing. Hey, Emily, thanks so much for calling in and great to hear that you're doing so well. We love to hear it. Hey, time to move on. Hack. Where does Margot end and Barbie begin? I don't even know anymore. It's just a (laughs) pink fever dream at this point. On Triple Jack. Yeah, pink fever dream, best way to describe it. The overwhelming Barbie machine has been in overdrive. Not just this week, for many weeks. Especially in the lead up to the movie opening in cinemas here next week. Has to be one of Hollywood's biggest marketing campaigns. You've seen all the stuff. The Dreamhouse, Barbie, Mansion in Malibu, the pink stuff all over Bondi, the big billboards. What do you think of this? Is it making you more or less interested in the movie? Is this hype machine working on you? Message in 0439757555. Em, you ready for the Barbie movie? I was born ready, Dave Marchese. You did show up in all pink. I was like, oh. Total coincidence, <laughs> but it's a lifestyle. Okay. Barbie core. Okay, so it's working on you, this marketing. Absolutely. I've got a mate who's hired out a whole cinema. We're paying a little bit more than the admission Hired price. out a whole cinema. Yeah, a whole <laughs> cinema for, I don't know, like 50 or so of her mates. We've all paid her 30 bucks uh, on a Saturday night next week. That See you there. That is wild. Okay. Okay. That's, that's someone who's dedicated. Very jealous. Brooklyn, what about you? This movie cannot be as good as the marketing. I won't hear it. It, Like, it's impossible because the marketing you cannot get away from. And I don't know, the trailers of the movie, does it look good to you? Yeah. Greta Gerwig direction for a start. So it's reclaiming Barbie for a new generation. It's taking it with a feminist twist. I mean, they We've say got a that. We've soundtrack you know, from yeah, Mark that, Ronson, that. for God's sake. When, Does it get any better? That's the idea. But when it's just, <laughs> hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Excuse me. I, I it's about understand. existentialism. It's about oh, beauty standards. It's okay. about Ryan Gosling a lot, to us. I'm expecting a lot from this. Do you think part of it as well is that, Obviously, it's Margot Robbie and we're very proud of her success and just want to back whatever she does. Because in this role, obviously, she's in the movie, but she's the producer. And, you know, people are really praising the work she's done on getting this machine fired up. Like, it's pretty crazy. What do you think, Brooklyn? Yeah, she's great. And look, I hope the movie is great. I'm sure with Margot involved, it is going to be good. And, yeah, so proud as an Aussie to see the whole world get so invested in something she's produced. Absolutely. And imagine the feeling.
feeling of destiny, being born looking so <laughs> goddamn beautiful and being cast in this role. Like just I couldn't be happier for her, prouder of the nation. Also, it was a real like task for her to convince Mattel, the company that owns the Barbie brand, to do the film right. And I, the, she actually yeah. sat down with 7.30, the ABC 7.30 program, and talked about that whole process. It's amazing that they because got what, the film across the line because it was such a risk, right? Yeah, what were Mattel worried about? I mean, I, I, how much control did Mattel want to have? Ex- Probably but total, right? But also, like, the fact that, you know, the tagline really of this or the idea is you'll love it if you love this film if you love Barbie and you'll love it if you hate Barbie and kind of associating mm. hating a brand, like, it, I mean, it's, whether, not what, it's not what a company really wants to do, right? Yeah. Whether the movie leaves Mattel laughing or crying, they'll be headed straight to the bank given the yeah. brand and merch opportunities, every other brand's jumping on a collaboration with them right now. Like you can get Barbie mania anywhere and there's a lot of that money going straight to Mattel. That's so true. Everyone is out there screaming, Attenzione, pickpocket! <laughs> <laughs> it's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. We've got so many messages coming through on this one as well. Someone says, just went to the shopping centre and every shop had something in collaboration with Barbie. I couldn't escape yeah. it. Not interested <laughs> seeing it. Someone else says, uh, my husband and I built a custom pink Barbie motorbike last year because we were already so excited for this. That was from Liam and Shana in Newcastle. People are getting ready. Hey, that is all we've got time for. Shake Up Crew, M Gillespie from The Daily Oz. Thank you and happy birthday for tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. It's going to be so good. Brooklyn Ross from Kiss FM, thank you. Thanks, David. Now let's go get our weekend started, <laughs> hey? <laughs> let's do it. Big, big thanks to our Shake Up Crew again and to everyone who participated It's been a great week of podcasts on Hack this week. I'll be back next week. I'll catch you then. See ya. Hack on Triple J. Dee Salmon here sliding into your podcast feed to let you know that the Hookup Podcast has all the sex and relationship content you need. Honestly, you need us in your life. Join us each week as we talk all things love and f***ing like this. Foreplay is also there so that you have great sex. Like, I don't know about anyone who's given themselves an orgasm in two minutes. Like, it's fine. It's the fast food of orgasms. That's the hookup. If you like hack, you'll love us. Get us wherever you get your pods.